0: now, America's Healthcare Advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello America, welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate show broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer Mr. Darren Willhite. I'm your host Carrie Hall. This is your show America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. If you want to follow me on Facebook or Instagram or on the website, it's America's healthcare advocate.com America's healthcare advocate on Facebook. And also you can go to Carrie Hall, C-A-R-Y Hall, H-A-L-L. If you want to do it that way, Instagram, it's America's healthcare advocate. Um, Also, all the shows that we do are posted on podcasts. So you can go to the podcast on TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker or SoundCloud. We're on all of those platforms. If you, uh, hear one of these shows you want to tell somebody about, it, or do you want to go back and listen to it again, or there's some piece of information in there that you find particularly interesting, you can go back to uh, that particular platform um, and do it that way. The website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, if you've got questions, um, you can send an email from that website to me, uh, and we are happy to respond and help you with any questions you have. If you have questions on health insurance, any of those issues, you can call the lovely Joyce Thompson at 877-385-2224. She is happy to help you uh, with anything uh, from group health insurance to Medicaid or whatever the case may be. Again, that number is 877-385-2224. Uh, operators are standing by. They will take your calls, and uh, she will get back to you uh, the following day or, or a day or so afterwards, depending on when you hear the show so again 877-385-2224 if you've got questions um the lovely Joyce will be happy to help you with that and um uh, you can reach out to us through the website americashealthcareadvocate.com all right put a lot of time and effort into this show today to put this together this is a cornucopia of healthcare show um uh, my producer, Darren Wilhite, came up with that title. I like it, so that's what we're going to call it. Um, in other words, we're going to do multiple topics today. So here, here is what we're going to cover, and I think you're going to find some of this pretty compelling. Number one, we're going to talk about how to understand or understanding how drugs get approved in this country. What is the process? Why, why would that be of interest to you? Well, I think you're going to be a little surprised to see what that process is. I'm going to keep it pretty simple, but also see how many of these drugs uh, and we'll start with the number 100. Actually get through the process by the end of the day. And what does it typically cost to get one of these drugs approved? So that'll shed some light on that Um You know there's a lot of talk about uh, pharmaceutical companies and and the money they make and and all the rest of it so let's frame this with information because I think uh, information is helpful and it'll help you understand we're we're also going to talk about some new information for type 1 diabetics um, that are having trouble uh, affording their insulin or rationing insulin and and uh, can't cover the cost of it there's a program out there we're going to talk about uh, that will take care of that for you it's a program by Eli Lilly I think you'll find that interesting we're also going to talked about an alternative to medicare um and this is interesting this is a this is a, a piece that was written uh by an economist at scripps uh institute um and he's modeling it after singapore how do you like that I think you'll find that very interesting. Could reduce costs by 75% in this country. I think you'll find that very interesting. And then we're going to talk briefly, if we have time, in the last segment of the show, about the new Medicare website. Yes, you guessed it. It's a mess. And (laughs) I'm going to talk about that and the alternatives to that. So that's what we're going to cover today. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to get started right away. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about um, understanding, um, and I'm going to attempt to demystify this process of how do drugs get Approved in this country, what's the process the FDA has the pharmaceutical companies go through? So, let me start with this piece. This is out of the Wall Street Journal and some very interesting information. It's on a in a section called "Hurt on the Street," um, and this and it starts out by talking about this. Navigating the world of clinical trials is more than science. The stakes are high for patients, companies, and investors. The vast majority of drug candidates fail. The ones who manage to cross the finish line in the U.S. can take nearly a decade to go from molecule to market. Uh, they stand a chance. Uh, they then they stand a chance of spending of bringing in billions of dollars um, in annual sales globally and have a massive impact, obviously, on stock market uh, their stock in the market itself. The approval, the approved. From U.S. Food and Drug Administration means the agency has determined that a drug provides benefits that outweigh its known potential risks. I'm sure you've seen all the commercials on television where they always tell you all the things that can happen uh, if you take this med and it doesn't particularly work. Uh, so what does it mean uh, in the eyes of the agency? Uh, it's not very simple to answer, but I'm gonna boil it down and try to make it simple for you. So we're gonna start with the premise of 100 drugs and then I'm gonna walk you through this process. So. <clears throat> There are four steps; to the approval process for a new drug, uh, starting with the trial sponsor uh, process. So the trial sponsor process, the trial sponsor needs to apply to the FDA for permission to conduct human trials based in part on the animal data model that they have used in the trial design. So the first thing you have to do is they have to apply basically uh, for permission to begin this process. And, and here is the fate that awaits them um, after they go through this 100, we're gonna use 100 drugs, we're going to walk through this on a, on a step by step basis now to do it. So phase 1 of the trial, and there are four phases by the way. So the first phase is applying for the for the permit to go forward. Phase 1 is the goal of phase 1 is to try to demonstrate safety. This step can generally be accomplished with a few patients including healthy ones. Approximately 70% of the drugs advance to the next phase. So if we're using 100 drugs here, okay we're saying that 70 percent of those drugs are going to advance to the next phase so 70 of those drugs will come out of phase one and go into phase two that's basically how this works in phase two the trials are set up for establishing the efficacy and observing patients for side effects these trials can take up to two years and require several hundred patients all right out of this trial 33% are going to make it through. So if if we look at that, excuse me, 35% are going to make it through. If we look at that, that means out of 100 drugs. So we went to 70 in the first phase. Now we're in the second phase, 24 drugs are going to get through. Now we're down to 24 from the original 100 we started with, all right? That's how that works, all right? So now we'll go to phase three. Phase three trials are for efficacy again and monitoring any adverse events over a long term these trials are generally the largest and can run up up for several years all right so in the phase three 25 percent of these drugs get from phase two to phase three now we're down to six drugs so think about that in terms of, of of what that means you start out with 100 by the time you get through the permit process, then phase one, two, and three of 100 drugs, you're down to six, all right? So the estimated cost to bring a particular drug to, all the way through the trials, okay, to get, to get through the trial process successfully is $2.6 billion. That's what I said, $2.6 billion is approximately what it costs. So go back to the numbers again. So out of 100 drugs— six get through. Now, obviously, they don't spend $2.6 billion on all the drugs that don't make it into phase three, but some portion of that, or in the case of getting to phase three, okay, where you had um, <clears throat> 25% of the drugs get there and only six make it through, in that case, they spent the $2.6 billion to get through that, to, to do that trial, and at the end of the day, um, they didn't make it. All right, and the, by the way, that number comes from the Tufts Center for the Study of Drugs. So that's Tufts University. That's where they come from. Ninety. This is another piece that I think you'll, you'll find very interesting because we always talk about how you know Canada has this price for drugs, and we have uh, a, a much higher price for drugs, or New Zealand, or Australia, whatever the case may be. This is very interesting. Ninety-five percent of the new drugs in this country, okay, come from. The out out of uh, 95% of the drugs in the world rather come from the USA. 95% of the new drugs are not developed in Europe, they're not developed in the UK, they're not developed in Canada, they're not developed in New Zealand or Australia, they're developed right here in the United States. Interesting, isn't it? So, 2.6 billion, 95% of the new drugs that we see through, you know, in the world come from the United States. Last year, in 2000, excuse me, in 2018, there were 17 new cancer drugs approved, all right, 17, all right, and there were 11 new treatments for infectious disease. So that kind of gives you an idea, uh, uh, and, and again, only 14% of these drugs make it out of the phase three trial. So that, that should tell you something uh, in terms of how complicated the process is, how costly the process is, and yes, um, uh, uh, these drugs are not cheap, obviously, but when you're talking about cancer cures and some of these other cures, um, that should give you some idea of how it all works. When we come back from the break, we'll move on to our next topic and start talking about diabetes. And if you're on insulin, we might have some good news for you. So stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA radio network, you can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, America's Healthcare Advocate, or Facebook, America's Healthcare Advocate, either way. And the shows are always posted on all of our podcast platforms, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. So it's all there. By the way, uh, we've gotten a number of calls about the Wavi brain scan. We had some some folks call from nashville tennessee last week um, we're getting calls we had another call from michigan the other day um, if you're interested in that or want to learn more about it the website is brainscan.com brainscan.com steve sanborn is my partner in this program um, he'll be happy to reach out to you give you all the information all the clinical trials everything that they've done we've got all that information available on the wabi brain scan if you're interested in that and by the way if you're in the kansas city metro and you're you're wanting to get a scan done to you know check your cognitive abilities or maybe you got a child um that was concussed in a soccer game or football game or whatever blue valley uh physical therapy blue valley pt uh, ryan and ann uh, will be happy to help you they'll book a scan you can go in and get it done um uh there and and it'll give you uh, the results and and tell you where you're at. So uh, some information on the Wabi Brain Scan, like I said, we have been getting quite a bit of interest in that. Uh, Brainscan.com, if you want information, go to that website. All right, this segment we're going to talk about folks with diabetes. There is a new solution out there uh, for people that are having trouble with insulin. Here's what's going on with folks on insulin. If you're on Medicare, Part B pays for it, but Part B only pays 80%, as we know. Okay, so what winds up happening is a lot of times people cannot pay that additional 20 percent or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or maybe they're on a high deductible plan on private health insurance. Whatever the issue is, if you can't afford the insulin, what winds up happening is people ration the stuff and then they don't take it like they should. um, And and it creates all kinds of complications. So we know this has been a problem um, and and we know that uh, that. Some folks just simply have not been able to afford it, and there are some serious consequences to that. If you're type one diabetic, um, you know that you're at risk. Um, we, you know, we talk about this all the time. People that are type one diabetics that lose toes, or you know, something worse, you know, a foot amputated, whatever the case may be. Um, you really need to be uh, taking your insulin, doing what you need to do. So Eli Lilly. Uh, has come out with the program and they've run this thing. This was in the New York Times. Yes, I do read the New York Times. I hate to admit it, but I do. Um, and, and it's also been in the Wall Street Journal and they took out a full page ad in the New York Times. I was very impressed with this. And they've done it a couple of times in the Wall Street Journal. And let me tell you what's going on. For people using Eli Lilly insulin, we have several options for those who need help such as limiting monthly prescription drug costs on many insulins to less than $100, okay? Now, that's a big deal because insulin can be very, very expensive, Um, and they're they're telling you with this program that they will limit it to less than $100. That's one way they do it. They also offer a half-price authorized generic insulin. Now, I think a lot of people may not even know there's generic insulin out there, Um, So they offer a half-priced, authorized, generic insulin. Some people are eligible with this program for free insulin. Yeah, free insulin. This is from Eli Lilly, okay? Um, If you have an immediate need and you don't have anywhere else to turn, they are happy to get insulin to you right away. So the other thing they're doing with this program is, if you call them, and I'll read out, I'm going to give the phone number out here, and I'll also get it posted on the website so that you can find this. Um, If you call them, they will respond within a day, uh, and and uh, and get this uh, this insulin. situation squared away for you where you can go pick it up at our pharmacy or have it delivered to your home, whatever the case may be. So regardless of your circumstances, Eli Lilly Diabetes Solution Center, that's what this is called. It's called the Diabetes Solution Center. Uh, and if you call 833-808-1234, 833-808-1234 Um, They're U.S.-based care professionals, and it is U.S.-based. You're not calling India, okay, or Mexico. You're calling a U.S.-based, their care center, from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. So they've got really good hours there, Monday through Friday. 9 a.m to 8 p.m this is you know if you've got somebody in your family a senior citizen that's struggling with this or just somebody on a health insurance plan that's not covering the total cost of insulin they literally can't afford it and they're rationing it this is a remarkable solution that Eli Lilly is stepping up to the plate here Um, again that phone number is 833-808-1234 833-808-1234. They go on to say that millions of people with high deductible plans will again face tough financial choices when their plans reset as of January 1. Okay, so what do they mean by that? If you've met your deductible and you're on an HSA type plan or a HRA plan, then your insulin's been covered 100%, but come January 1, you're back in the box, right? You've got to rack up enough claims to get you to a point where it's going to cover the total cost of insulin. So what they're telling you here is that they're offering you support to do this. And this is from Dave Ricks, who's the chairman and CEO of Eli Lilly. So, you know, we hear a lot of bad things about pharmaceutical companies. You know, a lot of people in in politics want to make them to be boogeymen um and there certainly is a lot of money being made by certain pharmaceutical companies and I went through in that previous segment and talked about what they go through to bring a new drug to trial out of 106 actually make it through the trials and they spend about 2.6 billion dollars per so but here's a program and it, you know it's nice to be able to come on the air and deliver some good news to people okay so here's a program that Eli Lilly's putting out there once again the phone number is, is 833-808-1234 and you can call them from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, The call, by the way, uh, they they say takes about 10 minutes. There's no paperwork to fill out. This is kind of important, I think. The call takes 10 minutes, and there's no paperwork to fill out. Um, Operators uh, can take calls in Spanish. They can also translate information in 40 different languages. How do you like that? So if you've got a grandparent that speaks Farsi— Okay, or your hispan, you've got parents, or or your family speaks Spanish, or whatever Polish, whatever the case may be, they've got people that will help you. This is a pretty cool program, I think, and I was very impressed um, that they're literally, you know, they, they, God only knows what this ad cost in the New York Times for a full page ad. Uh, that they did, and the same thing in the Wall Street Journal. But it, it is a great program, and if you're not on an Eli Lilly insulin, my guess is they can probably get you one of their insulins that matches up to what your what your needs are. Um, and it's a wonderful program, and I urge people to take advantage of it. Once again, we're going to post this on the website, so uh, everybody has this information. It'll be up on our website, so if you want to tell somebody about it. But again, I'm going to give you the phone number and the hours one more time, 833 833- 833 808-1234. Uh, they're U.S.-based based care professionals will be available from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Call takes 10 minutes, and like I just said, um, there, there is no paperwork. That, that's, that's pretty cool. No paperwork, takes 10 minutes, and, and they will get you taken care of. So that's that's where we're at with that. I thought that was some great news for folks with diabetics. When we come back from the break, we're going to dive into an alternative to Medicare for all, from, of all places, Singapore. You're going to love this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show broadcasting coast-to-coast across Fruited Plain. Here on the HIE Radio Network, my producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to start this conversation about what an alternative to medicare for all so i'll get into that here in a second the website if you want information for us you just heard that diabetes information americashealthcareadvocate.com americashealthcareadvocate.com if you want information on the wavi brain scan if you've you've heard those commercials maybe you're in knoxville tennessee or nashville wherever BrainScan.com is our website uh, we will be happy to help you there if you want if you're a provider um, and you want information on this on the WAVI Brain Scan process? Uh, go to the website. We've got a ton of information that we can get you. Uh, Steve Samborn's really good about following up on this stuff. If you're here in Kansas City and you want to get a scan, you've been you've got a child that's been concussed, or maybe you've been in an automobile accident, or maybe you are chronologically challenged like me. Um, and my wife and I, Lauren, both had the scans done. They were very informative and very helpful. Um, Blue Valley PT. Uh, BlueValleyPT.com is the website. They'll be happy to schedule an appointment and get you in. The scan takes about 30 minutes max, so it's pretty easy to do. All right, we're going to talk about this Medicare for All because this topic is not going away, right? And I've talked about it in other shows. This was a fascinating piece that was on MarketWatch, and it was sent to me by the chief operating officer in Wabi. Jim Prather sent this to me from Austin, Texas, and he said, gee, I thought you might find it of interest. Well, I found it fascinating, actually, uh, and went through the whole piece, and I'm going to go through it in different pieces today and talk about this, but let me start out. First of all, this was written by Sean Maskey Flynn who is an economist at Scripps, Scripps College, all right? So he's an economist um, at Scripps, and, and he wrote this piece, and it starts out by saying, the U.S. can slash health care costs by 75 percent with two fundamental changes and no Medicare for all. Can you imagine that? Just two changes. The examples he uses, and he goes on to talk about, as Democrat presidential candidates argue about Medicare for all versus a public option, two simple policy changes could slash health care costs by 75% while increasing access and improving the quality of care. Sound too good to be true? It's not, okay? The policies have been proven to work by ingenious companies like Whole Foods and innovative government programs like the state of Indiana and the country of Singapore. Yeah. You'll find this very interesting. If they were rolled out nationally, the United States would save $2.4 billion per year across individuals, businesses, and government. And let's talk about that for a minute. 91.2% of Americans are covered by private health insurance. 91.2%. Of that, 49%, 168 million, are covered by health insurance from their employer. So the reason I'm bringing this out and and going through this as an alternative is what we're being what we're hearing on from the Democrats is throw the baby out with the bathwater and start a whole new massive government health care program. What this economist is, is laying out here as a possible model is something much simpler that would actually work really well. So the first policy change is price tags. It's necessary prerequisite for competition and efficiency. Under our current system it's nearly impossible for people with health insurance to find out in advance anything, that it, the cost of anything covered by their health insurance. That's right, and you've heard me talk about this before. In fact, there's a piece out of the Wall Street Journal that talks about hospitals fighting the disclosure of prices. President Trump signed an executive order that required new healthcare pricing, and that it would be post that, that these healthcare prices would be posted by hospitals like Barnes Jewish, um, like the HCA hospitals. Uh, you know, go, go, go out, Ascension Health, go, through, go around the country, whoever it is, okay? Well, guess what the hospitals did? A coalition of hospital and industry groups, along with some individual hospital operators, have gone to court and are trying to head off this hospital-focused transparency and regulation, said Tom Nichols, executive vice president of the American Hospital Association. You believe that? Yeah. <clears throat> they don't want you to know what it costs to get a knee replacement. They don't want you to know what it costs to have an appendectomy. Um, and that's one of the huge problems. There's no transparency in our system. So what he does in, in this piece, now we'll go to the second part of this. He goes on to say, by contrast, there is intense, com- intense competition among providers of medical services like Lasix. And he uses this as an example, uh, which is not covered by insurance, by the way those providers provide complete market uh, complete information and tell you exactly what it's going to cost uh, to to get the, that surgery done They must advertise to get customers in the door, and they must ensure a high-quality customer loyalty and benefit from word of mouth. In other words, if somebody goes and has a bad LASIK surgery, they're going to tell 10 people what happened, right? On the other hand, if they go and have a good LASIK surgery and somebody mentions that they want to have, well, I got it done by Dr. So-and-so, and they did a wonderful job. Or like here in Kansas City, Dr. Silverstein, for an example, okay, and they did a wonderful job, or Dr. Sabata's, you know. Well, any of those... Procedures now, are, are they're not covered by insurance, but listen to what's happened. That's why the price of LASIK's eye surgery, as an example, has fallen so dramatically as quality has soared. Adjusted for inflation, LASIK cost nearly $4,000 per eye when it first made its debut in the 1990s. Guess what? Today, it costs $2,000 per eye, and you can get it on sale for $1,000 per eye. By contrast, ask yourself what a colonoscopy or a knee replacement would cost. There is no way to tell, and that's the issue. So price tags ensure that everybody pays the same amount. We currently have a healthcare system in which providers charge patients wildly different prices depending on their insurance. That injustice will end up if we ins- will end if we insist on legally mandated price tags and require every patient to be charged the same price. Let me give you a quick aside here. I did a show last year sometime where I talked about the cost of getting a liver transplant here in Kansas City, and I called out three different hospitals. The price varied by $120,000 for exactly the same procedure, and that's the point. That's what he's driving at here when he talks about why we need to have um, transparency. And, of course, as I said— Or, you know, this is another reason, you know, hospitals are pushing back on this. They don't want that information out there. They don't want people to be able to shop. Yet you've got hospitals like um, the Surgery Center in Oklahoma City, okay, independent surgery center wildly successful they've got an online website you can go look at anything from knee replacement to an elbow to a hip it's all up there and it's all published uh, and they're doing a phenomenal business and people are coming in from all over the country to get these surgeries because they know what the price is and the price is significantly less than most hospitals <clears throat> so it could work and it would make a lot of sense um, if in fact uh, they move through this so now let's talk about the Indiana HSA solution so here this is really interesting so this whole process is based on the HSA health savings account model but let me tell you how they do this the second policy so if we had the transparency this is the second part it's called deductible security pairs an insurance policy with an annual deductible with the health savings account HSA and the policy sponsor funds each year with an amount equal to the annual deductible. So if you have a deductible $5,000, they put $5,000 in. That's the way that it works. The policy sponsor can either be a private employer like Whole Foods, and that's how they do it, or Amazon, uh, uh, which has been doing it since 2010, or a government entity like the state of Indiana, which has been offering deductible security to its employees since 2007. So the big pushback against high deductible plans is, I can't access care because my deductible is too high. What they're saying here is, the deductible gets funded, you don't have to deal with that. So what, what was the outcome of this, all right? Since the amount equal to the annual deductible, participants have money to pay for out-of-pocket expenses, but the annual gifts do more than ensure that participants are financially secure. They give people skin in the game. The result? Massively lower health care spending without any, uh, any deterrence to using health, uh, health services and health care outcomes. So, in other words, it works, and it works exceptionally well." <clears throat> So Governor Mitch Daniels put a study in place uh, when they put this in place from 2007 to 2009, uh, employers choosing this plan, for example, were 67% li- less likely to have high-cost emergency rooms rather than low-cost urgent care centers. They also spent 18, $18 less per prescription because they they were vastly more likely to opt for generic because they had skin in the game. It's their money, okay? If that $5,000 or $2,800 or whatever it is is sitting in your account, it's your money, Okay, so you're going to make sure that you're spending it the way that, you, that that makes the most sense, and that goes back to the discussion about transparency and why that transparency piece is so important. Because if you could get a knee trans a knee replacement rather, okay, for thirty percent less at one hospital than another, and the transparency was up there, and it's your money, what do you think you're going to do? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, folks. When I come back from the break, I'm going to talk about how they did it in Singapore. Here's a whole country that's doing this, all right? And they basically took the American HSA model and they made it their health insurance program for the country. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after the break and wrap this up. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. I'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, show broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. My producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite, I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Um, if you want information on any of this that I've talked about today, the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, Instagram, America's Healthcare Advocate, Facebook, America's Healthcare Advocate. You can follow me. Podcasts are up there. If you want information on the WAVI brain scan, if you're interested in that for cognitive issues or concussion issues or depression, anxiety, any of the things that that Wavi helps with, um, you can go to Brainscan.com, Brainscan.com, and um, all our information is up there if you're a provider, if you're a possible patient, whatever it may be. Kansas City, Blue Valley PT, uh, Blue Valley Physical Therapy is doing the scans. Uh, You can reach out to them online at BlueValleyPT.com. All right, back to this topic. Um, Indiana and Singapore, uh, this is an alternative that... uh, That uh, This gentleman who is an economist, uh, Sean Maskey-Flynn at Scripps College, uh, Department of Economics, wrote this piece. I thought it was fascinating because I said, uh, Jim Prather in Austin, Texas, sent this to me. He's the WAVI COO, Chief Operating Officer. Um, It's a fascinating piece, and it's a very simple solution. Let's keep going. So – Back to Indiana again. Those behavioral changes, when they put this plan in place in Indiana, resulted in a 35% lower health care spending for the same employees who were in, uh, that had been enrolled in traditional health insurance. And here's the key. None of them lost access to the health care they needed because they had the money in their hsa account so they continued to get preventive medicine they continued to go in for checkups for mammograms and all the rest of it and they did it at the same rate as the people on traditional health insurance so this this gives you an example of how it worked now contrast that with medicare for all where as an example in oregon they put a place A plan like Medicare for All. They randomized 10,000 previously uninsured people into a single-payer system in 2008. The recipient's annual health care spending jumped 36 percent with no change in improvement in health. 36 percent it jumped. What do you think is going to happen with Medicare for All when it's an open gate and there's no skin in the game, right? All right, so now let's talk about Singapore. By contrast, Singapore uh, sets up a deductible security program and, and it has saved about 75% of what we are paying for health insurance. So if you contrast what they're spending versus what we spend, they're 75% they're they're spending about 75% of what we spend. We know this to be true because while the price tags and deductible security were invented by the United States, the only one only one country has had the good sense to roll them out nationwide. By doing so, Singapore is able to deliver universal coverage. Listen to this, and the best health health outcomes in the world how do you like that while spending 77 percent less per capita than the united states 60 60 percent less per capita than the united kingdom canada japan and other advanced industrial economies what do you think about that Isn't that remarkable? Providers post prices in Singapore, that's called transparency, and people have plenty of money in their HSA balances to cover out-of-pocket expenses. As in the United States, regulators set coverage standards for private insurance companies, which then accept the premiums and pay costs in excess of the annual deductible. The government also provides direct pay health care for people that are indigent. So indigent people get direct health insurance, they cover it, okay? So, you you know, look at Obamacare. You have to make $12,000 a year to cover, to qualify for Obamacare and get a subsidy. Well, that's why you've still got 9% of the people out there with no health insurance, because a lot of people fall below that $12,000 line, and they can't get coverage with a subsidy. So this would eliminate that whole issue. The result is a system in which government spending constitutes about half of all health care spending as the case as constitutes about half of all the health care spending, as is the case in the United States. But because prices are so much lower, the Singapore government spends only about 2.4 percent of GDP. By contrast, we are spending eight percent of gdp this is something that 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 the democrats and liberals love to scream about is that we're spending 8% of gdp and and Europeans are spending less yada 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 well here 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 in singapore they're spending 2.4% they have a private system they didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater it's working phenomenally well okay <clears throat> Singapore's citizenry, empowered by deductible security and price tags, competition has worked like magic, forcing providers to constantly figure out ways to lower costs and improve quality. Go back to what I said about LASIKs. It went from $4,000 a procedure down to $2,000, and you can even buy it now for $1,000. It's a classic example of how this would work if we implemented these reforms, all right? The result only seventy the result is not only seventy seven percent less spending than the United States but also as Bloomberg business that's right Bloomberg business reports one of the healthiest populations in the world my 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 said the spider to the fly, maybe we don't need Medicare for all after all, right? There is a simple, simple solution that would make a lot of sense okay uh, I'm going to post this article online if you want to read it. Um, It's quite fascinating. There's four pages here and a lot of detail. But I will tell you something. This this tells me there's a better way to do this. Uh, And I've always thought there was a better way to do it. And and my I think the the Republicans would be very smart, as well as any Democrats that seriously don't want to do this Medicare for all thing, like Mayor Pete or some of the others, to take a look at this program and go, we'll guarantee it. The government will pay the deductible. Put the money in the bank for people. Think about the cost of that versus the cost of Medicare for all, all right, and and let people go on an HSA plan where they control their own money. The big pushback, and I told you this a long time ago when we started this whole Medicare for all conversation, I told you the people that were going to push back this time weren't going to be the insurance companies as much as they were going to be the hospitals. And I just read you that piece out of the Wall Street Journal, where they are pushing back on the executive order the president signed to create some transparency in the system. They don't want transparency because they don't want you to see what it costs to get something done at one hospital versus another. So fascinating conversation. Real quickly, um, uh, I did promise Medicare uh, offers a fix after the, their plan finder that they rolled out uh, is, is having all kinds of problems. Gee, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, right? Let me give you a piece of advice, folks. If, you, if you're if you looking to move into Medicare because you're aging in or coming off a group plan, do yourself a favor and don't waste time going up on the websites and deal with all that. Call a qualified, certified a a medicare certified broker or agent that can sit out and show you everything that's available in your area whether it's medicare advantage or medicare supplement you'll be happy you did it and it'll make a lot of sense and by the way here in the Kansas city metro the lovely joyce thompson will be happy to help you if you want to call her at 877-385-2224 thank you for listening to the broadcast today and now i leave you with this thought from albert einstein the one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd the one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been remember friends it's a funny thing about life if you refuse to accept anything but the very best you most often get it thank you for listening to america's healthcare advocate broadcasting here on the hi radio network coast to coast across the usa goodbye america Baby,